0: to that here momentarily Um, and I'm you know we took a little longer this morning Uh, Pastor Danny talked too long on announcements and uh, (laughs) the only one I can blame I don't know it seemed like some of the songs were slow Uh, I like the first song in particular but that's my speed Um, title this morning's message, uh, The Butler Didn't Do It. I put it on Facebook last night, and I've had a few questions about that, and I actually put a little blurb on there that to intentionally mislead you, because you learned last week, the week before, that I cheat when I play games. So <laughs> next Sunday night, uh, I don't know about this goose thing, but, um, you know, it's not about mother goose, is it? We're not, you know, okay, all right, all right, all right, all right well, we'll, we'll find out. But um, uh, I hope you... Uh, Maybe you picked up on it. Obviously, I hope you did, unless, you know, you're not really good with association, but the title the butler didn't do it in, in conjunction with what the Genesis 40 story is all about. I uh, hope you put that together, but I was thinking to myself, you know, um, uh, I, I have never had my own butler. Now, I don't know if there's anybody in here that's, if anybody here that was willing to admit they've had their own butler, and I know some man's going to raise his hand and say, oh, my wife, you know, I dare you. Uh, I dare you. I mean, last time you raised your hand. Um... Uh, Now, as many of you know, and some of our other, I think I see Will and Dana back there, and uh, I don't know know if I saw Wanda in here, but there's some of us in here that like to get on cruise ships every now and then, and uh, we have room stewards. They're kind of like butlers a little bit, right? And if you ever get on the concierge lounge, which (laughs) I'm not on those decks, you know, I'm right above where the boiler is in the cruise ship. I'm right, I'm right above that. One year, that's a true story, one year they put us right in the front of the ship where the anchor drops. There's no, there's no kidding. Yeah, one. I'm not kidding. You. We are in the front, lower, bottom corner. We're right where the anchor comes down. I'm pulling into port one corner. I, one one morning, I didn't know they dropped anchor. I'm telling you, this is honest truth. I am. I'm, I'm. I'm. I'm not lying. I'm not preaching here. I'm telling you the truth. Um, the whole room started shaking. <laughs> I thought Jenny put a quarter in the wall or something. I don't know. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and things were literally vibrating off the little nightstand next to our little room and I thought I thought we hit an iceberg now we're in the Caribbean, but you know it uh, gets cold down there sometimes, but oh that was terrible that was that was terrible and 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 we I remember when we first got on the boat, one of the things we remarked is that we had this remarkable room steward i mean he was just. I'm telling you, he was like, and we'd been on a lot of cruises at that point, and this was one that our kids bought for us. (laughs) That's why why else is going? Not me. I didn't buy it. It was was my sister. Um, That's right. You haven't bought us a cruise. Um, um, Our other ones did. Now they got it free, Taza, but that put us in the anchor room. But we were on. We had this great room steward, and we, we, Jen and I, asked him after we were there that first day before we had the anchor experience. Like, why are you down here at this level? Usually, guys are as good as you. They have you up in these other places. And then the next morning, we knew why. (laughs) He had a lot of thing work to do to make everybody happy down in that area. But any rate, um, you know, even I thought about what is what's a butler. Uh, even the definition of it, there's, there's some variety of it, so I went to, you know, the internet, of course, and dictionary.com simply says, uh, the chief manservant of a house. Notice that, women, the ladies, the wives, it's a manservant, uh, so, you know, <laughs> you can tell your husband, yeah, you're the one, go, go get my coffee. Um, the chief manservant of a house, now there's d- differing ideas on it, but... Um, You know, even in the New Testament throughout Scripture, uh, Jesus describes believers, if you've put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, and you're a child of God, Jesus tells his children to occupy till I come. And in 1 Corinthians 3, we're told that we are overseers of a building, that with your life, as a picture, you're building a building, and, and Paul admonishes us to build it on, you know, gold and silver and precious stone, and not on worthless things. And um, we're called stewards of the manifold grace of God. And so uh, the idea of a butler is, is certainly relatable to who we are. Now, I was thinking about butlers. In addition to on the cruise ship, I was thinking, you know, anybody think of a famous TV butler? Alfred, Alfred on on the Adams family, is that? What you're Oh, Batman. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. I, 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 does anybody think of Lurch? Right. A <laughs> few. I told the sound people, they, none of the people in the tech room had any idea who that was. I said, well, the old people are going to get it. Um, right? Old people back when we could watch television. Um, how about that? Yeah, yeah, Russ. Uh, that's, you, you, uh, Margaret needs one of those little cords. You know that every time she pulls it, you should be over there going, "What do you? What can I do for you, honey?" I know you're already doing that, but now today. I want us to consider one of the most well-known butlers in the Bible, and that's why I had Drew read out of uh, Genesis chapter 40. And yet, uh, also, if you haven't been here, our online folks, obviously you haven't been, uh, tonight uh, we are kind of going to incorporate the secret church, the persecuted church. Normally we uh, highlight that a little bit in November, which we probably will again on Persecuted Church Sunday. Um, but in conjunction with our Sunday Night Sizzle unusual events, we're doing Secret Church Sunday, and I thought it'd be appropriate to, to preach a message that was uh, at least related to it. Now you say, I don't get it. Well, the title of our message is The Butler Didn't Do It. And uh, when we look at this butler who was a quote-unquote friend of Joseph, one of the great heroes of the Bible, um, and you remember Joseph that he'd been betrayed by his own brothers and sold into slavery into Egypt, and then he was falsely accused by his master's wife and thrown into prison, and then I had Drew read the story while Joseph's there in prison. Uh, also in prison is, the, is Pharaoh's butler and his baker. And each of them has a dream and they don't understand it and Joseph interprets it and he interprets the, uh, the, the baker's dream that the baker's going to be executed in three days and the butler's going to be restored in three days and uh, obviously that's exactly what happened because God gave him the understanding of the dream. Now I don't know if when Drew read the story, if you picked up on in, with our title, what did the butler do? Anybody remember, what didn't the butler do? We're going to get the answer right here because we're running out of time. Anybody? Come on, this is a Sunday morning crowd, so I, I know. Yeah, Robert? Yeah, well, all right, I heard it. You already got, you got beat out. Right, did you say the same thing? He, Nick says he didn't remember Joseph. Remember that? In the very last verse, verse 23, he says, yet did, the chief, yet did not the chief butler remember Joseph, but forgot him, forgot all about him. And they say what does that have to do with the secret church and the persecuted church well, last few weeks I was preaching out of uh, Hebrews chapter number 13, and I'm going to refer to that again here this morning. Um, in Hebrews 13, verse number 3, remember Hebrews written to persecuted believers, many of them who had been actually in prison because of their faith. In Hebrews thirteen three, the writer of Hebrews says, Remember them that are in bonds as bound with them, and them which suffer adversity as being yourselves also in the body. So we are r- commanded in Hebrews to remember our brothers. And sisters who are enduring persecution and them that are in bonds, and it, it's not really here a suggestion, it's in the imperative remember. And we see in the life of Joseph an individual who is uh, unrighteously put in prison and he is forgotten. Now, with that in mind, um. I started considering this story and how Joseph is kind of a picture of someone who's been forgotten in prison and maybe today could I suggest that much of American Christianity doesn't think much about our persecuted brothers and sisters could it be that we've forgotten them possibly but I started thinking well what is it that we could do then or what should we be doing and what was it that the butler specifically did not do that he was requested to do So our text this morning is going to be Joseph's response or his encouragement uh, to the butler in Genesis 40, verse number 14. I want to share with you three things this morning, very quickly, that the butler didn't do. Number one, he was not, or what he should have been doing is be aware. Notice in our text in verse 14, Joseph says to the butler who's going to be restored, but think on me when it shall be well with thee. Think on me When it is well with thee. Joseph asks the butler that when he's back in his air conditioned office and he's got the king's banquet hall at his, you know, all you can eat buffet uh, at his disposal, and he's got his sports car chariot out in his garage, he says to Joseph, Think on me, remember me. I'm still down here in this dirty dungeon, I'm still starving and suffering. I'd submit to this morning that as American Christians, even in spite of our eroding freedoms, which are eroding, um, as Pastor Danny mentioned, how the scriptures outlawed in many countries, it's already been outlawed in our public schools for a generation. But I would still say that compared to our other brothers and sisters, especially in what we call the ten forty window of longitude-latitude around the globe, their center part of the globe. Uh, compared to other believers, I'd say we have it pretty well. Would you not agree that we're pretty blessed? Now, I know a lot of Americans, and we live in tough times, and these have been crazy days. Um, I, I would agree with that, but I would still submit that the, mo- the poorest in America <laughs> are more blessed than much of the world. Much of the world. We have it well. We have food We have houses, we have cars, we have boats, we have clubs, we have hobbies, we have friends, and yet are we even aware... That there are at this very moment, as we sit here this morning, believers in bondage in prison in North Korea, in Pakistan, in Turkey, uh, in other places. We've even seen, I remember the guy got arrested in Canada. We uh, last week, I think I showed you a couple weeks ago, people have been arrested in the United States simply for praying in front of an abortion clinic, things I never thought we'd ever see in our, in, inside the United States. But there are people around the world, there are Christians in this very moment, as we sit here in our semi-air auditorium <laughs> but there's some people this morning that would give anything to trade seats and I know we get really busy in our life and I know that there's an appropriate level of you say well I can't do this and I can't do that but Joseph simply says when you're doing great remember me Well, we're doing great in comparison. Do we remember the command in Hebrews 13 to remember them that are in bonds? You know, we're like the butler living it up with no regard for our fellow believers. Now, I appreciate those who are involved in prison ministries. I'm going to tell you, as I pastored my first church in Florida, uh, in in Florida, even this before Governor Ron... Who was the governor back in the day when we were there? Uh, Well, Jeb Bush might have been part of the time. I don't know. But we were living in Florida. I was more involved in prison ministry because I could get in the prisons, especially the state prisons, relatively easily. Once I went through a background check, you know, they did all, I had an ID card and all that kind of stuff. But if I ever wanted to go to the prisons, which did happen, we, you know, we worked with, addicts. We worked with folks, we, you know, we were involved in that and all I had to do is I could go to the prison with my, with my tag and pretty much any time I could get in there. You know, it was amazing to me. The times I've had to get in here in Elmore County or even downtown in uh, the jail right downtown, you know, in the, by the courthouse, how, how nearly impossible it is for me to access inmates. In Alabama, and Jenny will tell you That first time I rose quite a, you know, I created a stink downtown. You guys say, you're good at creating stink. I'm good at that. I, I did, you know, but bottom line is I believe that the Lord Jesus Christ will hold me and you responsible if we choose not to even be aware I think most American Christians are just happy and content to put their head in the sand and say, well, I got my own problems, which we all do. And so what? You say, well, how do I even know these things? Well, sometimes it is difficult, and only heaven will tell some folks that have endured tremendous persecution in these countries that are going to be heroes of the faith that we've never heard of. But I am thankful there are ministries that you can connect with, that I'm connected with, and we are here at our ministry, but I think of the Voice of the Martyrs, they're, they're a well-known one, and you can sign up and get there. they have a magazine, they have a website, they have all that. There's another one called Open Doors, how how appropriate is that? Open Doors Ministry, we showed their videos, and they also produce, uh, they, they're a real a, a tremendous watchdog group that can bring pressure, and, and uh, so there are organizations out there that, that we can connect with and make us aware. But Joseph didn't only say be aware, but he also said in our text back in verse 14, he said, but think on me when it shall be well with thee. And then he goes on and says, and show kindness and I pray thee unto me and make mention of me unto Pharaoh. The first step is be aware. The next step is to advocate. Joseph says, show me your kindness by making mention of me unto Pharaoh. Joseph's asking the butler to use his influence to help him. Now remember, back in verse number two, which those of you online, you didn't get to read it, but when we read the story, I don't know if you picked up on this, but this job, this position was just not any position. There were a lot of butlers. But remember, this guy was the chief butler. This guy was the boss. This guy was the guy that was close to Pharaoh and had access to him. And you and I, if you're a child of God and a believer, we have access to an advocate. The Bible's clear that we can come before the very throne of God in our time of need, Hebrews 4, to find grace and maybe to pray for grace for our fellow believers who are enduring tremendous persecution. We as believers, as American believers, still have uh, some wherewithal to speak up. We can advocate politically. We can be involved in trying to make a difference in this life and this time for folks that are enduring great persecution. You know, the Hebrews verse, you know, these believers were... in being arrested, and it was kind of a dangerous thing for the other believers to go there and identify with them. Well, first we got to be aware. Secondly, we've got to advocate. And yes, thirdly, my last point and I'm doing, because they all really flow together very closely, and the last one at the end of the verse, notice it says, making mention of me unto Pharaoh and bring me out of this house. Joseph says, Get me out of here. If you want to put it in the (laughs) dumbed down translation, (laughs) get me out. He wants out of the prison, and I certainly understand. So he says, Be aware, advocate, and act. But often, we are much more like good old King Uzziah. Remember him in the Old Testament, Second Chronicles chapter number 26, how Uzziah was in trouble and God bailed him out and he won a lot of victories and God gave, blessed him. And the Bible says in verse 15, this is by the way why he's my favorite king, because in verse 15 of Second Chronicles it says, and he made in Jerusalem engines. <laughs> Come on, that's funny. I like engines. <laughs> I'm sure it was a 400 ter- double turbocharged V8 motor engine that he did there, um, invented by cunning men to be on the towers and on the bulwarks to shoot arrows and great stones withal, and, and his name spread far abroad and he was marvelously helped till he was strong. But when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction, for he transgressed against the Lord his God and went into the temple of the Lord to burn incense upon the altar of incense. And Azariah, the priest, went in after him with fourscore priests of the Lord that were valiant men and basically said, no, king, you can't do this. Because Uzziah got so full of himself that he started playing God. He said, oh, you know, what? I know what God said that the priests are the ones to offer on the incense, on the altar of incense, but, you know, I have been so blessed and I'm so good and God's hands been on me so much, you know, I'm just as good as the priests and I'm going to do it my way. Mm -mm. The rest of the story, God smotes Uzziah with leprosy and he has to live the rest of his life away from everybody else. Can I submit to you that much of the American church today has spiritual leprosy? (laughs) The stench of greed and immorality and pride? We are so full of ourselves as American Christians that we have concluded that we can approach God The way we want to approach God. I'm going to get in trouble again. Every week I try to get in trouble at least once. So here it comes. All right? If you know me, you know that I believe strongly in the leadership of women. I do matter of fact one of my problems a lot of Baptist independent Baptists, they think women are they treat them like some kind of second you know let's be honest if it weren't for the women men just do stupid things over and over and over again and the reason most Baptist churches are in trouble and do stupid things is because they have no women of influence inside their church and I can tell you without naming any names even if she's sitting in the very back row in a chair back there and it's not Jerry um, (laughs) we understand that too I've never done any major decision in this church in 16 years. Major decisions without sitting down with that one particular lady in the back and that one up there and others of you that are in this building. So please, I don't, I, I, I there's women and men are equal. Matter of fact, no, they're not equal. Women are better. Um, that's my opinion. I, none of the men, no, come on, ladies, I'm sticking up for you. Don't say nothing. Okay, men are better. All right, I'll go to that one. Um, yeah 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 you don't say nothing there in the front row there a second row we know who's the better one in your relationship you're the only one that makes me look good so you know um but i'm going to tell you this the bible's pretty clear about the authority structure and that women are not to usurp authority over men when it comes to the preaching and proclaiming of the word of god they just are not. And now we live in this day in America where every denomination and the non-denominational play, boy, we got to condone women. We got to ordain them to the ministry to be pastors and blah, 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 blah. And I knew this guy, he's a friend of mine, he said this. He said, well, you know, my wife is under, is under my, uh, she's under my umbrella, so therefore she's under the, under the umbrella of a man. So therefore she can be a, she can be a woman pastor and get up and preach on Sunday morning. Well, it's very true that my wife is underneath my authority and I'm the leader in our home, bless God. I take that leadership, but she still tells me what to do. But I take the leadership, all right? (laughs) But just because she's under my authority doesn't mean she's under yours or should be over every other man in this room. And American church today, whether you want to talk about Bethel music or you want to talk about uh, maverick city or hillsong these other play it's it, it they're just sin fests and they tell us that this is how we're going to do church service now and the word of god and, and by the way and many of you know me i am not a, i i am one that thinks I, i'm i'm gonna get in trouble again you know i don't think there's one condoned kind of music some some christians to you know, lighten up a little bit it's okay god made drums too made guitars it's, all, it, it, it's fine, but I'll tell you this. When you start saying that you're going to replace the, the primacy of the Word of God and the preaching of the Word of God with, with smoke shows and, and concerts and getting everybody all emotional and waving around and all that stuff, and the Word of God is left for a, a, a light 10-minute thing about be nice to somebody today. Pay it forward when you're in Starbucks this week. Oh, we're great Christians. It's spiritual leprosy. And meanwhile, there are other people, human beings, our fellow Christians who are in filthy prisons simply because they will not deny the Scripture or the Lord Jesus Christ. Ooh, that's bad. Remember Peter when he was arrested by King Herod? Acts chapter number 12, verse number 5. Peter had been taken by King Herod, thrown into prison. And the church was made aware, and then they began to advocate. Hebrew or Acts chapter twelve, verse number five, Peter therefore was kept in the prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. See, they started advocating. You and I, we have this, This no matter where the people are in prison around the world, whether it's in Turkey, whether it's in North Korea, you know, that, that, uh, little, the little fat dictator, he can't stop you and I from praying to the throne of God, and he can't stop God from working, no matter how hard he tries. No matter how much he thinks he's God, he's going to find out he ain't. <laughs> I can tell you that. We can advocate. But remember, Peter was f- sound asleep in prison. The angel had to come in there and smack him around, wake him up and lead him out. You know, Peter wasn't there. And then remember, remember, they, they let him out. Of thing goes, go tell the believers they're praying for you down at the house church, you know. And Peter goes, you know the story. He's knocking on the door. And uh, old Rhoda, Rhoda's her name. She comes to the door and looks out there and sees Peter. And, and she sees Peter with her own eyeballs. And well, I suppose she can hear him going, hey, Rhoda, let me in. And, and, and Rhoda just turns around and goes away. She can't believe what she's seeing. Peter has to keep knocking at the door, going, Rhoda, open the door. How many Christians we pray and pray and pray, but do we really believe? I'm afraid we think, oh, you know, oh, we, we say prayer and it doesn't really matter anything. Well, I don't know. Are we right with God? Are we, is there sin in our life that's hindering our prayer? I don't know, but I believe that prayer is still powerful and prayer can still change things. And just as God got supernaturally got Peter out of prison, I have seen and there have been testimonies of, of, of God getting people out of prison in the way, any way God chooses to do it. Then I thought of Acts chapter 28, another prison experience when Paul had been arrested and he was taken to, he was being taken to Rome to be tried and as he's approaching Rome as a prisoner, Acts chapter 28 says this, and from thence when the brethren, the believers heard of us, they came to meet us as far as Apli Forum and the three taverns in the little town of whom when Paul saw, he thanked God and took courage. The believers at Rome and by the way, there were already believers at Rome before Paul got there. So you know the believers were already there. But at any rate, the, these believers heard Paul's coming, and they did something that, that in that day was very culturally significant. If somebody very important to the town was coming, the people would go out to meet that person and usher them back in as a show of reverence and honor. And these believers from Rome went all the way to these little towns, and if you look on a map, you'll find out that it, for one way, it's 40 miles. They walked forty miles to let the Apostle Paul know, "Hey, we are in your corner. Can't free you, don't. Have, but we're going to pray for you, and we're we're not afraid to identify with you, and we're here with you, and we're going to walk forty miles to you, and we're going to walk forty miles back. Ultimately, they walked eighty miles to show respect and awareness of Paul's position." maybe 40 minutes of prayer? A minute a mile? Seem fair to you? Um, One of the things about being a missions-minded church is we have with intentionality, as God has led us to minister wherever and be involved in missions and with finances and stuff. And if you're new to our church, the reason there's all these funny-looking buildings on the walls is these are rep- replicas of of buildings the Lord's allowed us to uh, financially put together and go alongside. And these are all sister churches and ministries of ours uh, around the world. In fact, uh, Brother Brock's been really lazy. He's supposed to have one up on that other wall back there. But I I can't get him to work. And, uh, maybe Laurie can make him um, no, no, I'm not. I, I'm losing that argument right there. Um, but we we have another one. We'll, it'll be coming. We'll we'll get there. Um, but many of these places where we minister and we've helped are dangerous places. Our church in Burma, there's civil war going on, and some of our believing brethren are have been literally caught with the the shells going off and the military taking over or throwing them out of their buildings uh, pastor Hashu um, well let me let me start with brahanu because brahanu in our ministry in Ethiopia many of you know brother Brahanu. we've been so honored to have him here many times in our building he's a modern-day Apostle Paul starting churches all over in Uganda and the Sudan and and in Ethiopia and uh, matter of fact right now brahanu they're, they're building a brand new training center right south of Addis in the capital city of Ethiopia which we may get involved in that build as well where they're going to have how like, a, like basically a college and send more men out and uh, all the churches in Ethiopia that the Lord's allowed us, the two here and one in uh, that we built, that Jen and I led in our first ministry. We're all pe- uh, graduates of uh, brahanu's seminary and um, it, 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 if you know brahanu's testimony he and his wife spent time in prison uh, spent time being beaten, spent time being deprived of food. He understands what it is. Even a couple years ago he was down to go see some of the pastors down near the Sudanese border and he was was, uh, he was robbed and beaten and left for dead. And one of his guys who pastors the Bethel Baptist Church, which is replicated back there, um, this is the church that we help fund. And this is in a very remote area down near the south uh, part of Ethiopia, I don't know, probably 40, 50 miles from the Somalia border. So you're talking some rough neighborhood. And by the way, don't you love their choice of colors? But understand, that's the only painted building within 50 miles. This is the Renaissance Hilton place, you know, of their area. Um, and that church has been threatened more than once by the Orthodox Church as well as the Muslim church of being destroyed. And, you know, and even though they've, they've had a very effective ministry to Muslim people and they're seeing people saved all the time. But every week they do it with some danger. Uh, the church, th- our most recent build, well, the one in the, of the Philippines is probably the most, but this same year we did both of these. Uh, the Lord led us to build another church in um, Ethiopia, and this is Galjada Baptist Church, and this is this is for a couple months old, so it's probably even a little farther along, but this is the most recent church build that we fully funded, and isn't that a nice building? Um, this, again, is out in a very remote area. The church was meeting underneath a tree. They also, um, when the building was framing was up, there was a tribal war in the area, and <laughs> this building almost got shelled. I thought <laughs> John Conrad said, well, Pastor, we might have to rebuild it. And I'm, you know, I said, you know what I know about our people? If I tell them that the building, that, we, that, you know, that all the money we already invested got lost because it got blown up, I, have a, I believe our people are going to say, well, we're going to roll it back and do it again. We'll just send some more lumber over there and throw up another frame. But the Lord spared the building, and and, uh, this this ministry here is led by two pastors that are both out of Burhanu's ministry. Um, I'll introduce them to you. Uh, This is Pastor uh, Nagiro um, and his lovely wife, and they have two small children. And then Pastor Tashita and uh, his lovely family. And uh, these guys, uh, you know, they literally, they are at risk, and they have suffered uh, persecution. I won't tell you all the stories, but but I'll tell you, uh, it isn't easy what they're trying to do, and yet God is working, and this church is growing rapidly, and God is blessing. We need to pray for them. Um, yesterday I was on the phone with Pastor Ojo, who's also been in our ministry here, spoken several times, our Nigerian friend. Don't you love Nigerians. They're just happy people, and they just have a, and Brother Ojo's like the classic Nigerian. Ho, 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 you know, <laughs> is that pretty good? I don't know. Joe, Jim Morgan, is that pretty good Brother Ojo impersonation, you know? Um, shave my head off, and my head off, no, my hair off. <laughs> Leave the head. I'm working on doing that, you know, Lord's taking that away anyway, but that's okay. That's okay. DT says it's distracting when my glare off top of my head blinds him, so I'm always going like this, you know, um. Right, right there. Um, but wasn't it a blessing a few years ago to take on the biggest project that we as a church had ever taken on in terms of monetary? In in seeing the Lord allow us to build an orphanage in Nigeria, and with along the way, Brother Ojo called me and said, you know, the monies that we had raised, we could build one entire building. He said, or would you be okay if we built four of these? homes because they don't build an industrial one they build real little houses and they put orphans in a family which I think is a way better doing it than just having dormitories he goes with the money that your church has raised we could build all four buildings put the roof on and we could build the wall around the compound which you have to do in Nigeria for any kind of safety and we agreed let's do that so instead of having one building one home y'all are responsible by your gracious giving for four and the last time I showed you an update on it, the the orphanage, you can, look at those going down there. Look at that. See, that's, that's on the wall back there. It's, you know, Brother Brock, tremendous replication of what it is. And, um, uh, but I, I talked to Brother Ojo yesterday on the phone. He sent me a, a, a newer picture and um, you can see, I don't know if you can see the metal roofs out, the windows are in, and it's really, really progressing along. Uh, I if I, and then I wanted to show you here's a picture of the wall, part of the wall around the compound. Look at the size of it. you See that big double, the, the huge gate over there on the, on the left over there? That is a lot of wall. And, and every one of those blocks was handmade. Understand that. It, this is just an amazing thing. And um, I wanted to show you something that Pastor Ojo sent me yesterday that broke my heart, and I know I'm I'm trying to stop, but I can't, so hang on. Um, You guys need to know. You need to know what's at stake, and you need to know that the monies that you give every week here, you know, 10% of all our general fund goes into missions, Then our grace giving, anything you designate to missions goes to help these missionaries. Um, but next next picture, Allie, Let's see. These are two twin, two little twin sisters, two years old, that recently arrived at at the orphanage. And um, their their parents are believers. And I don't. He didn't tell me the whole story on them for lack of time. But let's just say that people who hate our faith. Uh, did very terrible things to their parents. And now they have nowhere. And aren't they beautiful little girls? Um, he also told me about a brother sister that showed up there, and this really got me because if you know a young man that Jen and I consider part of our family, many of you know Oliver. We call him Oliver, but his, everybody else calls him Felix. Allie doesn't call him Felix. Allie calls him Oliver, but so when Brother OJ told me the little boy's name was Felix, just kind of got, just kind of caught me, and this is his little sister Celeste, and um, they've been at the orphanage for about a year, and um, they come from that part of Ni- Nigeria where the government doesn't have all the control, and Boko Haram is active, and they are a Christian family. Their parents are Christians, and as I understand it, um, they, the mother's life was taken and the dad was hacked, for lack of a better term, hacked to pieces and left for dead. But somehow by the grace of God, their dad lived, but he can no longer walk or work he's bedridden and therefore in a poor country cannot take care of his children and so by God's grace these two kids who stand it watched and they were there um, i i, I just don't have any words I, I i don't know what to say other than, let let me show you the next the next picture here um, this is little Celeste now, more recent picture. She's decided she wants to be a medical doctor. You see, when her dad was in the position he is in Nigeria, brother Ojo, so they put they put him in camps. They're called IDP. I, he told me what that stands for, but I cannot remember. But they're IDP camps, and they're run by the Red Cross and a couple of other humanitarian organizations. And basically, they live in that camp because they can't work, and they're you know they've been as a result of uh, persecution or you know stuff they, they, they stay there and she wants to be a medical doctor so she can go back and work in the IDP camps and help people who've been hurt because of their faith just a kid now Felix her older brother here's a, here's a current picture of him Isn't he a sharp looking little man He said he wants to be a pastor and go back to the very place where his dad was beaten. I, I just didn't know. Brother Ojo's telling me this. I'm like, wow. These are the types of kids that are going to live in the orphanages that y'all sacrificially gave money and maybe we need to get more money they're not totally done with the project I don't know but it matters these are real people with real lives and they're not that different from you and me they have feelings they have hopes they have dreams and yet in spite of what's been done to this young man's dad his response is not bitterness and anger and violence it's to share the good news wow wow Lastly, um, be aware, advocate, and act. Pastor Danny mentioned, he didn't know I was going to mention Asiya Bibi, but back in 2010, a young Pakistani woman uttered just a few words of witness of, of the Lord Jesus, and a co-worker didn't like it, got offended and turned her in, and she was arrested, um, charged with um, blasphemy and placed on death row. And uh, she, she was on death row for eight years and would be dead today were it not for the fact that through God's grace, believers around the world became aware because of ministries like Voice of the Martyrs and Open Doors and began to advocate both prayerfully and also politically and began to act by... Signing petitions and getting uh, pressure put on, uh, diplomacy pressure put on, and they kept the pressure on Pakistan for years until finally uh, they, the the Supreme Court of the Pakistan decided that that on some technicality they were letting her off, but they basically then they kicked her out of the country. But she spent eight years with some very harsh conditions. Eight years. And yet, because even at our church here, Little Church in Central Alabama, we became aware, we began to advocate, we got involved, and made a difference by the grace of God. So this morning, let us not be like the butler. The butler didn't do it. He did not remember, but let us remember. This morning, I would ask you, who will you pray for today? Do you know anybody? We need to find out some persecuted believers and put them on our personal prayer list and maybe they just Felix and Celeste. Maybe you want to pray for those two little children, those two little twins. But somebody that when you get to heaven, you don't have to be the Lord says, well, I, we're, I was in prison. All my. Your felt. What were you doing? Oh, you don't understand. I, I had a grocery list to get together that day. Oh, you don't understand. I had, an, I had an event that day. I don't know about you, but I don't think that's going to fly very well when we stand before the king. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the teaching of your word this morning. Thank you for um, oh, our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world who demonstrate such faith and we recognize that as you promised that you'd always be with us and give us courage in, in difficult circumstances. God, we, we ask in our own lives as we live day to day here in the United States, we need courageous Christians even here that are not afraid to, to stand up for the faith and get involved and push back in, in, in our culture and use the freedoms that you've given us to make a difference but not to forget those of the persecuted church. Holy Spirit of God, I pray if there's one here this morning who doesn't know they're a believer or somebody watching online, say, Pastor Ken, I'm not sure if I were to die, I'd go to heaven. I don't understand that kind of faith. My dear friend, the Bible simply says, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Would you believe in him for everlasting life this morning? But dear Christian, this morning has really been to us just to be reminded of our responsibility to our other brothers and sisters. Uh, Let's remember them in their time of bondage. Holy Spirit of God, seal decisions in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you please stand? And uh, Joe's going to lead us on a verse of invitation. You want to come to the front and pray? I invite you to do that. But whatever your need is, this-